Welcome to Wit Beyond Measure. My name's Katrina Mayer. And I'm Elle Kammerer. And today we are talking about Mansfield Park chapters 19 through 22. Yes. Or if you have a copy that is split into volumes, volume two, chapters one through four. Yes. <laughs> uh, but before we get into that, we have some big news that you guys might have seen on our Instagram account, but it's now up and ready to go. We have a merch store. Yay! Yay! Merch! Yes. We have t-shirts. We have notebooks. We have stickers. We have magnets. It is all up at witbeyondmeasure.threadless.com. And there are a couple of different designs up. We have our just regular logo that you can get on a bunch of stuff. We have... uh. <laughs> one of our favorite jokes uh <laughs> what happens in the shrubbery stays in the shrubbery mm -hmm. uh we have that available we also have one of our fun little catchphrases that we have on our website as well as this cute little pattern i put together Yay! it's actually the background from our logo just mm -hmm. in a bunch of different places but guys it looks real freaking cute it on the backpack cute. it's so cute it seriously like i literally made it to put it on the backpack yeah that's so yeah if you get the backpack we'll be twinsies um, um we'll be triplexies <laughs> because i'm getting one too <laughs> it's so cute <laughs> um so yeah so check that out on threadless i already have some of the merch that i bought uh t-shirt magnet haven't bought the backpack yet but it's coming uh but yeah so check it out witbeyondmeasure.threadless.com for all of that good stuff and if you guys Want to see other kinds of merch from us, like different things we say, different sayings, like various things. Just message us on like Instagram or Twitter or, you know, anything like that. And just let us know because I'm all up for creating new stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So just let us know. Sweet. But yeah. So let's get into Mansfield Park. Yes. Got four, the super duper four quick chapters. Recap. I do. I do. And it's going to be super duper quick because really... Not too, too much happens here. We always say this and then we end up with an hour and a half episode. No, we're not going to have an hour and a half episode today. It's going to be short and sweet. All right. So um, first, Sir Thomas obviously is at home and he's like super happy to see his family. And then he goes into his room and he is like super upset to see this theater. Cue John Yates putting his foot in his mouth all over the place. Mm -hmm. Next big thing that happens is... Henry Crawford leaves, um, Yates leaves the house, and, like, people kind of settle into, like, this normal, quiet family routine, and it's, like, kind of weird, and during this time, Sir Thomas is getting to know Mr. Rushworth, and he's like, this dude is kind of dumb, and he's, like, giving <laughs> Mariah an out, and Mariah should be, like, jumping all over this. But she does it, and we're going to get into the details of why that is later. Another big thing with Sir Thomas coming home is that he's also seen Fanny grown up, essentially, for the first time. And he's like, oh, Fanny, you look so grown and so wonderful, and look at your health. And, like, he's really praising her, and Fanny's like, what? This is weird. I feel super uncomfortable. Um, because she's never been told literally any of those things before by anyone ever. Mm -hmm. Then 
Fanny starts to get a little bit closer to Mary Crawford because, again, Henry's out. The Bertram sisters are away because, obviously, Mariah did the deed and got married. And so they're, like, she's off on her tour, which we'll get into all that later. So, like, it's super quiet at the house. And Miss Crawford doesn't really have anybody to, like, latch on to. And so her and... Fanny kind of start this like friendship, but it's like, I don't know. It's, it's slow going in this part, but we will see how that kind of morphs. And then, um, Tom is also away somewhere doing, you know, rich old son, whatever nonsense. And Edmund's there and Mary like slights his profession again. And then they get invited to dinner at the Grants, um, Edmund and Fanny Price. And Fanny Price is like, what? Me? Invited somewhere? And that's basically the big things in this section. Yeah, pretty much. Yep. (laughs) I think the biggest thing to happen in this section is just right off the bat at the beginning, which is... Sir Thomas coming home and putting the kibosh on the uh, on the play. <laughs> yeah, he's like very restrained, but like he is mm-hmm. pretty apocalyptic underneath. I feel like he's just so he comes in and he's in a great mood. Okay, and he's finally he's in home. a great mood. He's home. <laughs> he's been gone. He is like <laughs> skinny and worn from travel. He's sunburned. He he ain't looking too hot. Uh, but he's so happy to be home and, uh, (laughs) the entire family goes out to greet him in the drawing room, leaving the Crawfords, Mr. Yates and Fanny in the theater, (laughs) which is Sir Thomas's rooms. Yes. Yes. Which is the billiard room, I believe. Yeah. 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 Uh, just kind of waiting there to be like, oh shit, what do we do? And then the Crawfords are like, peace. And they leave. (laughs) And March. they try to take, yeah, they try to take Mr. Yates with them mm-hmm. because it's just like, dude, like you can't just stay here. Like you need to come with us. Like this is going to be awkward as fuck. And uh, he's just like, Psh, nah, it'll be fine. Totally fine. I'll stay. Yeah. Cause you guys are going to come back tomorrow and then we're going to do our play. It's going to be yeah. totally fine. Yeah. Everything's fine. Or you'll fine. come back after tea. It's fine. No yeah. big deal. Yeah. No big deal. Whatever. This guy's such a and they're like, dummy. Your funeral, and they leave. Uh, and Fanny's just like, Well, I should probably go and say hi to my uncle. So she goes out into the room. And uh, yeah, like you would think that the 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 Bertram family would be a little nervous knowing what's happening literally in the room behind them. <laughs> but uh nobody seems to give a fuck. They're all just Oh, you're back. Hi. Well, they're like trying to just Distract him from what's going on so they can, like, think of something, I feel like, but they don't really yeah. think of anything. So they're mm-hmm. just, like, listening to his stories, whatever. And it's only when he wants to go, like, check out other parts of the house that they get, like, nervous again. Mm-hmm. And, like, before we talk about what happens in the drawing room, because there's some things we have to unpack there, we just need to talk about what's happening in the billiard room after the Crawfords leave and after the Bertrams <laughs> and family are all assembled in the drawing room, is that Yates is still there. Just rehearsing away on this stage that they made like by himself like very loudly so random Mm -hmm. it's so random and then sir thomas walks in and they scare the heck out of each other yeah because he's like 
because they didn't tell him Yates was there. They didn't tell him anything. So he he opens a door to just go into this room. And next thing he knows, he's on stage. Yeah. (laughs) This is not normal. (laughs) So, yeah, it's. And Sir Thomas is just like, uh, okay. What are you doing in my room? Where's my billiard table? What the (laughs) hell is going on? He also keeps his composure pretty well. He does. But, like, underneath, and, like, Tom, the elder son, goes in there to, like, but before he can get there, he's already in the room. He's like, crap. (laughs) And he can tell he's really upset. And Sir Thomas does not like Yates. He knows him of one of his, many of his son's acquaintances. And, like, he's aware of, like, not, like, know know him personally, but he knows of him. Like, he knows his reputation. And he does not have a high opinion of it. I feel like it was less that he knows about Yates' reputation specifically and more just that he knows about the people his son hangs out with. Yeah, but I thought I said that Yates specifically. Yeah, so Mr. Yates' family and connections were sufficiently known to him to render his introduction as the particular friend of another of 100 particular friends of his son exceedingly unwelcome. So he knows his family and connections. Um, But... You know, he's a gracious host, so he's Mm -hmm. not going to, like, scream at this guy, but he's, like, (laughs) very annoyed that he's here, and he's very annoyed that his rooms have been changed. And, like, yes, he knew that they were doing scenes from a play for their mother, but he did not know a full stage was constructed. And then he (laughs) finds out what the play is, because then Yates is brought into the drawing room with them and he can't help himself. And he's like talking about all the theater stuff and everyone's like, shut the fuck up, Yates. And he's like, (laughs) we're doing lover's vows. It's so great. Let me tell you about all the craziness that's been going on. And everybody's like, shut the fuck up, Yates. Yeah. Yeah. At one point, I believe they're sitting in there and Sir Thomas is literally staring down Edmund. Yeah. <laughs> like, what the fuck, dude? You were like, you are the moral compass of this house. What the hell did you do while I was gone? And Fanny is in the back just like, I really wish that this wasn't happening and I could get in between them and be like, no, don't. Edmund was against it. He was against it. He has good reasons why he was in it and everything like that. But. Fanny is also too scared to do fucking anything, she just and nobody's her actually chair back saying into anything. The shadows. Yes, <laughs> like, she, really does. she just keeps scooting her chair further and further back from the main <laughs> circle. Uh, yeah. yeah. But anyway, just really quick, we know that in this part, like Sir Thomas is like very, very animated and like talking about his trip and all that. But like, I want to just point out Lady Bertram. And, like, this is, like, the first time where she's, like, actually cared about anything Mm -hmm. in a long time. And, like, she even moved her dog so her husband could sit next to her. Like, she had been almost fluttered for a few minutes and still remained so sensibly animated as to put her work, move Pug from her side, and give all of her attention and all the rest of the sofa to her husband. She's real happy to see him. Yeah. Yeah. She moved the pug. Yeah. The pug has been moved. Yeah. Yeah. If that's not like an unequivocal sex invite, I don't know what it is. <laughs> I was going to say she's probably. To use the word of the chair. 
She's probably just like really horny because her husband's back. Yeah. But also, I don't know because, like, <laughs> I I don't know. Mrs. B- Mrs. Bertram is I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what I think about her yet. I don't know. I can't tell if she's drugged, if she's sick, if she's just like. I don't know. I have no idea. She's I, can't, like, I can't figure it out. She's like, you know, it's like mother's little helper, like happy pill, happy little yellow pill situation, like very housewife, like right. But we don't know that she's. We don't know that she's actually on anything. No, we don't like know some that. People. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. that's why I'm like, mm. yeah, because she like could just be. I don't know. It's don't like know. super, super implied, you know, as I've said in the movie, but in the book, it's not here at all. So it makes me think that maybe she's not. And maybe she's just like oblivious to everything. Maybe. I have no idea. I have no idea. So, so Bertram is talking about his trip and everything like that. And uh, this is opportunity for obviously like family to talk about different stuff. And Fanny actually starts asking questions of her uncle not like at this point it's like later on after they is it been oh, like established it in the house yeah okay well then let's keep going in order then and just skip yeah. over that bit so the pug has been moved what happens next um i mean they're just like kind of talking and like really um so we know that fanny doesn't go into the drawing room right away because she doesn't feel like she is that important to him and she's like very afraid to see him but then eventually she has to go because she's like well he's my uncle i live here i should probably go and so she does and he's like really excited to see her and she's like now i feel guilty for like being scared of you because you're like really happy (laughs) to see me and he's like you are so much improved you're in such good health as we've said and i don't know it kind of gives fanny like Despite all the unhappiness that we've talked about with the theatrics and Sir Thomas finding all this out, it still gives her, like, a little boost of confidence. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And then, like, after essentially people leave and the family has settled into, like, their routine, that's when she starts to, like, hear more about what Sir Thomas is saying and, like, try to speak to him. But I think before we get to that part, we have to talk about the departure of Henry Crawford first. Yeah. Well, and not only that, there's a lot of stuff that happens quickly between Sir Thomas, the night Sir Thomas arrives and kind of like the next like days. main action. Yeah, there's mm-hmm. a bunch of different things. So first, Sir Thomas is just like, well, this play isn't happening anymore. He burns every he burns every single copy of Lover's Vows that he finds. <laughs> uh, he sends away the scene painter who is painted along the floor. And he's I think not he was happy like painted on the floor and like got paint on the floor or something. Like I that. have no idea. I don't know. He's very uh, upset. I would be, too, if you got paint yeah. on my floor. Seriously. Seriously. The uh he he gets the carpenter to come by and take down the set. He gives the curtain to Mrs. Norris, who's like, oh, don't worry, I needed this anyway. I feel like Ms. Norris just takes it from the house without asking. <laughs> she may have, but Sir Thomas isn't gonna stop her. No. <laughs> he wants like anything that reminds him of this gone, including uh-huh. Mr. Yates. <laughs> yes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He sends Mr. Yates away. But yeah. also, he what he also does is he pulls Edmund aside and is just like, dude, what the fuck? And Edmund explains that, you know, like, things 
Like this is like they were people were insistent on doing this and he was initially against it, but then decided to be in it. So then we didn't like have the situation with what's his face coming in and then the whole town knowing about it and everything. And um, Edmund is like, he's like not, regretful. Yeah, but he's yeah. not throwing anybody under the bus. No. And he's not means. excusing his himself 100%. The only person he says is Fanny. And he's like, Fanny mm-hmm. was against this from the beginning. She's the only one who was like stayed steadfast against this and didn't participate. And yeah. Yeah. So Sir Thomas is like, okay, fine. You know, nothing nothing bad came of it, obviously, because the play didn't happen. It's wow. fine, no big deal. Well, he doesn't know anything. <laughs> I about, know. No, yeah. I know. <laughs> yeah. But so what he doesn't do is he doesn't talk about it with any of his other children. No. So he gets zero clues into this whole Henry Crawford debacle that happened. Mm-hmm. He has no idea. Mm-mm. And yeah, it's just... If he had just spoken to one of his daughters, he might have had an inkling, but, if you know, If Julia whatever. had been more intent on revenge, I feel like he could have, like, stepped in in some way, but we'll unravel all of that later. Let's, mm-hmm. um... Well, so then the next thing is yeah. that uh, the Crawfords are invited to dinner, um, or he just shows up one of the, t- or I think it's no, Dr. That's Grant what it is. comes Dr. over to like that's pay it. his like respects to him. And like Henry Crawford yep. is there. Um, yep. yeah. And really quick before we like explain this little scenario, cause it's juicy. Um, at the very beginning of this section, after Julia has like come in to warn them, she's very concerned for everybody. And then she sees frozen on the stage, Mariah, who has her hand on Henry Crawford's chest over his heart and his hand is held over hers. And like, they don't even try to move or break away after hearing this. Like, he is still holding on to it. And Mm -hmm. Julia is like, pissed. And she's like, well, I'm not afraid to go see dad. So peace out. And Mariah interprets this as, oh my gosh, he really likes me. How tenderly he still holds on to my hand, even as my father is upon this door. And like, to her, that's confirmation that he's going to like propose to her essentially. Yeah. Yeah. She is, she believes with her whole heart that Henry Crawford is going to come in and save her from Mr. Rushworth, essentially. He is going to profess his love and Mariah is going to get out of marrying Mr. Rushworth. So when Dr. Grant and Henry Crawford come to visit and say hello to Sir Thomas, Mariah is like, oh, this is it's going to happen now. That's why he's here. That's why he's here with Dr. Grant, who is essentially... Yeah, like also it takes a few guy. it takes a few days for them to come over. I feel like a day and a half before they actually come by. And in that day yeah. and a half, Mariah is like freaking out, like, why didn't he come that evening? Why didn't he come mm-hmm. in the morning? I have been expecting him to do this. And she is like on pins and needles at this point mm-hmm. when they finally do show up. Mm-hmm. So they show up, everybody's there, and Henry Crawford is like, uh I'm going to bath. <laughs> Unless we're going to do the play. (laughs) Unless we're going to do the play. (laughs) We're going to do the play. Don't worry. I can be back here. 
you know, whenever you need me within an hour or within a day or something like that. He says, I'll come from any part of England within the hour, which is impossible. Yeah. But he's uh-huh. like a flattery fuckboy. And yeah. And Tom, Thomas, not Sir Thomas, the other one, mm-hmm. uh, kind of leans in and goes, yeah, no, dude, that ain't happening. And Henry's like, oh, that's such a shame. You know, oh, well. I could have been here, but I'm going to be in Bath uh, and I'm like leaving today. Peace, Mariah. It's been real. <laughs> and that's it. I don't want to deal with your dad. <laughs> also, I've totally been flirting with you. And now that your dad's here, I don't think I can. And I'm not ready for commitment. So I'm totally not going to marry you. Yeah. So, Peace. bye. <laughs> and he leaves. And he doesn't and Mariah... even message her. He, oh, he no. sends her no letters, no nothing. Nothing. Mariah is pissed. She's really sad for a few days. And then she's just like waiting. And then after like a while, she realizes he hasn't e- emailed. <laughs> 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 he hasn't written. He hasn't. He hasn't sent a message. He hasn't texted me. He hasn't. He's, <laughs> he's not been texting. in my DMs. <laughs> nothing. No sliding in. No, not even a gif. He hasn't sent a gif. <laughs> He hasn't sent a poorly timed meme. He hasn't even posted on any of his social no media emojis. to indicate that he is alive. <laughs> yes. Ugh. He did check in. He did check in in Bath, though. So I guess yeah. he made it. But since then, I've heard nothing. Yeah. Uh, but either way, she's pissed. So that sets up this interesting uh, kind of circumstance. Because when Sir Thomas first arrived, like the first few things out of Mr. Rushworth's mouth had I think it had something to do with disparaging the play, yeah, or something like that. So, so Thomas was like, "Great, this guy seems great." But then Mr. Rushworth leaves for a little while, and eventually, uh, Edmund, Sir Thomas, and Thomas they go to Southerton mm-hmm. and they have dinner with him. And Sir Thomas comes back and is like, "This man is an idiot." Yeah, <laughs> and it's so funny because Edmund is telling Fanny this. Like, this is how we, we as the readers, know this information because Edmund's telling Fanny that he has to do, it. and he's like, "My father is not going to like Rushworth after this," no. and like, <laughs> I, I, I don't know what's going to happen. Like, yeah, yeah. So Sir Thomas is like, "This man is an idiot. He is really not." like worthy of my daughter like did she she made the wrong decision i feel like their their acquaintance was too short before the the proposal and everything i'm going to talk to her and see if she actually wants to do this yeah and like he knows like in on paper it's a good match because Mm -hmm. like it's an upstanding it will like put the connect the families it's like Rushworth has this huge estate he he's very well established as an old family like it's good on paper but like he's like my daughter's happiness is worth more than that. And like, yeah, it's going to be weird Mm -hmm. and comfortable and people will talk, but you know what? This is my daughter. And it's like, yeah, good for you, Sir Mm -hmm. Thomas. Like in this moment, like, well, I will say this. It is. If Mariah had been the one to say, I don't want to marry you anymore to Mr. Rushworth. That would have been like, ridiculous like yeah, no, nobody would have talked to her it would have been shamed everything yeah sir thomas is like i'll speak to him because if it comes from him it's less of a big deal yeah. so he's like i'll talk like he's like mariah look like do you want to do this do you want to get married to this guy i'll step in if you don't want to like you don't don't feel obligated and mariah who is very upset decides to sacrifice her happiness for revenge 
But it's not revenge. She's just it's like, not. she's just mad and insolent. She's like, whatever, I'll just marry him. So she marries Rushworth. And it actually says in the book something about self-revenge, which is she's marrying Rushworth to spite Henry Crawford. Like, look, I did it. I married him. You could have had me, but you didn't. And it's just like, girl. And Henry Crawford doesn't care. He and it's gives just zero like bucks. so frustrating. Like, yeah. right, you had this out. You could have had a happy life. And you let your emotional center take over your logic mm-hmm. center and that's not okay she should nope. have done some rethinking yeah she really should have she really should have but so after a bit of time um but not that much time like uh like a week or so mariah and mr rushworth are married and they go off to brighton for their honeymoon and they take julia with them yeah, because Mariah needs a companion. She does, and, like, yeah. They're, you know, starting to mend their, like, sisterly affection. So it makes sense. Yeah. Because from Brighton, they'll go to London. So, like, mm-hmm. I don't know if this is, like, a common thing with, like, like gentlemen's daughters. Is like, it, like, her honeymoon. Like, it, it's supposed to be, like, this big tour of, like, all the places or, like, friends that they have to see. I don't know if that is so much as, like, obviously Mr. Rushworth can afford it. Okay. Um, yeah. I do know that bringing a companion along, though, is common. Yeah. So, like, that's not weird to bring somebody, like, bring your friend on your honeymoon. It's not like modern honeymoons where you're going to spend all day in the sandals pool or something like that. And, (laughs) like, it makes sense to bring Julia because now she's, like, the next girl in the family to be out and like Mm -hmm. putting her like in these circles and in these society could like potentially she could meet someone and Mm -hmm. you know so it makes sense but here's the question Mm -hmm. what's up with fanny is she out like do we know yet we don't know know. mary crawford is going to drag her out (laughs) kicking and screaming (laughs) yeah well i mean don't spoil the end of these chapters um (laughs) i'm not i'm just saying no i know but so while all of this is happening and like the family is settling down and, uh, you know, things are transpiring, uh, there's this weird kind of new comfort between Fanny and Sir Thomas that we've talked about a little bit. Like it's beyond the fact that he seems to actually want to like engage with her and she feels uncomfortable, but that she's starting to feel comfortable like talking with him. Um, like at one point, um, and we, we we know that this happens because Fanny is ta- is talking to Edmund about it. So mm-hmm. we don't actually get to see the conversation. But um Fanny is uh, she decided to have a conversation with Sir Thomas about uh the slave trade mm-hmm. because she is reading books on like different things and in, in, in terms of public affairs and things like that and the slave trade is a big topic of discussion. I believe we mentioned this in Emma. Mhm. Yeah. Um, So at this time, the slave trade had ended, but you could still owned enslaved people. Yeah. So Fanny is like, oh, I I, I want to know his opinions on this because Sir Thomas owns an estate in Antigua and enslaved people are on that estate and they're working it. So he's involved. While he might not have been a slave trader, he is still involved in 
everything that encompasses the slave trade. So she wants to know his opinion on it. He's uh, benefiting from that system yes, in yes. one way or another. And that is and, how he is getting a large portion of his wealth. Yeah. And he's benefiting from it in ways that other people most certainly are not. He is benefiting it greater than most people. So she yeah. wants to know his opinion because she's against it. Uh, but she wants to know his opinion. And one of the little footnotes uh, in my annotated edition actually talks about Sir Thomas might have been delayed because the slave trade had ended. And I, th- I think that that's an interesting thing to kind of note here. Uh, while it isn't completely relevant to the book itself, um, other than the fact that he was delayed. But it says here in my notes, Sir Thomas was probably delayed because he had to make adjustments to his estate to improve the conditions amongst uh, the enslaved people in order to lessen the death rate and to address humanitarian concerns. He had to improve conditions, but let's be real, like based on what we know in history, just the fact that you have enslaved people doing all of your manual labor is not an improvement at oh, all. No. I am by no means saying, oh, look, he was doing the right thing. He's not. He has, he's enslaved people. But it's just, that's not something that I ever thought of, like learning about the slave trade and things like that. And obviously, like, America is different than England. So, like, we didn't, I don't think we had an end to the slave trade until we had an end to slavery Mm -hmm. here. So the idea of, like, the English people who were benefiting from the slave trade, when the slave trade ended, they still had enslaved people. So they had to make the conditions better so those enslaved people weren't dying because they couldn't get new ones. Yeah, it's not a human, it's not like coming from most people from a humanitarian point of view at all. It is, like, to preserve their wealth. Yeah, yeah. Like, didn't think that, like that, or in that, in that way. You know, well, and that's why we have discussions like this and talk about this (laughs) to contextualize it so that we do make those connections and understand those things. Yeah. Because if we continue to ignore it, then nothing improves and nothing gets better. So, So yeah, that's why Sir Thomas was delayed. Yeah, most likely. Yeah, most likely. Yes. Fanny doesn't really get to hear his opinions, though, because like she doesn't prompt him anymore because she's like, well, you know, Mariah and Julia were there because it's before Mariah got married. And, like, I didn't want to, like, show them up, essentially. She's like, because they weren't talking about this. And, like, if Fanny shows this interest and talks to him so much, she might be, like, distracting from that or, like, putting herself in this position where she thinks she's better than those than the two sisters. Mm-hmm. Um, and Edmund's like, Fanny, that's ridiculous. <laughs> Well, she was like, there was dead silence. Edmund is like, it would have pleased your uncle to be inquired of farther. And Fanny's like, and I longed to do it, but there was such dead silence because nobody else is going to freaking talk about this stuff. Because they don't care. No, they don't care. They don't care. Uh, Fanny, Fanny cares because she's reading about these things that are happening right now in England. And it just happens to be related to something that her uncle does. So, like, she's she wants to have these conversations. But Mariah and Julia don't care. They're getting their money. They don't give a fuck. Yeah. Yeah. 
And Mrs. Bertram, I mean, come on. The only other person I could think of who might want to, like, join in this conversation would be Edmund. Mm-hmm. Who I don't know if he was actually there. But still. I think he was because like, he brought it up to her. He's like, I... Maybe he's... Mm. Didn't he say, like, he noticed it or something? I don't know. Who knows whether he's there or not. Like... Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was there. So... I don't know. I mean, but this stuff just goes back to, like, Fanny's conditioning and how she was raised and, like, mm-hmm. how she thinks about things because, like, yeah. it's not going to change overnight. Like, just because her uncle shows her a little teeny bit of infection for the first time ever doesn't mean that, like, suddenly she's going to feel more open and comfortable with the family. It's going to take a long time because there's probably a lot of, like, subconscious mistrust there. Yeah. The just back to the whole the whole thing with the the slave trade and the fact that they they had this this estate and everything like that and then on top of that the fact that like mariah and julia don't want to talk about it or they don't have an interest in it even though they're benefiting from it but then sir thomas who is also benefiting from it and the one who is essentially in charge of this estate and everything like that doesn't have a problem talking about it but i don't know it's just more ignorance. It's icky. <laughs> it's icky. It is. It's it icky. is. Yeah. It's icky. Uh, yeah. Just makes me dislike Julia and Mariah even a little bit more because they give zero fucks about all of this that's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, but I, I know it's a modern lens looking well, back at the time and everything like that. But, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe Jane Austen was like writing it this way to like shed this light on like people of the society you know not having opinions because they're benefiting from it or being so far removed from it because they're in england this is happening over in like the americas jane austen's brothers were in the navy and one of them was on a ship who visited an island with enslaved people and he wrote slavery however much it may be modified is still slavery and it is much to be regretted that any trace of it should be found to exist in countries dependent on england or colonized by her subjects wow that's very progressive i know right holy I shit feel, i felt like i needed to mention that <laughs> yeah. uh, so that's the austin's uh take on slavery just throwing that out there uh very much against it um so let's talk more about fanny and how she's kind of blossoming a little bit she is having a major glow up especially with her like older female cousins gone she is like yeah yeah. i'm literally the only other person here Uh, (laughs) (laughs) like literally i'm the only young woman here yeah who am i competing with lady bertram and mrs norris yeah yeah and uh now that Sir Thomas is here, it seems like Mrs. Bertram doesn't need her around as much and stuff like that. So she goes for these walks, which is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, because she wants to get out of the house because there's nobody there except for Mrs. Bertram and Mrs. Norris and Sir Thomas and occasionally Edmund. Um, and one day she's walking along and it starts raining and she gets stuck. She's oh. on an errand for Mrs. Norris. Mrs. Norris told Sorry. her to get something. She's on an errand for Mrs. Norris, but either way, she's still walking. Yeah, she is, yep. And it's torrential downpour, and she gets stuck outside the 
The parsonage. Parsonage. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I kept wanting to say chapel and I knew that was wrong. <laughs> uh, so she's stuck outside the parsonage in the pouring rain. So Dr. Grant invites her in and she gets to spend some time with Mary Crawford. Mm-hmm. And at first she's like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to be here. Has it stopped raining? Can I go home? <laughs> but then, you know, Mary plays on her harp and they talk a little bit about how Edmund likes the song and Fr- Fanny's like, well, I guess Edmund likes it. I kind of like it. And eventually Mary kind of is like, you should come by more often. Don't walk by without stopping in. And Fanny is like, okay, because she doesn't want to say no. And then she starts to feel like compelled to do it uh before that though and when edmund and fanny are having their conversation because there's like basically this chapter where it's like a majority of just edmund and fanny having a conversation that's how we literally find about out about everything happening in the book (laughs) um they they are talking about miss crawford's opinion of fanny like edmund tells her what she said and like that kind of warmed fanny a little to her she She's like, well, mm, okay. Because she wants to say something bad about Mary Crawford, but she's like, well, Emin just said that she said this nice thing about me, so whatever, mm-hmm. I'll let it pass. And what she had said is, oh, yeah, because it's like where they're talking about how Fanny's like afraid of all the praise she's been getting from her uncle. And Edmund's like, mm-hmm. it's just your uncle. And like, that's what uncles do. They like tell their nieces that they're wonderful and beautiful. And like, that's normal. Like, just chill out, Fanny. Like, Accept the compliment. Like, stop. My favorite line, like, in this story is, like, Edmund says to her, you must really begin to harden yourself to the idea of being worth looking at. You must try not to mind growing up into a pretty woman. Yeah. So they're, like, having this conversation, and then he's like, and here's what Mary Crawford has to say about it. Miss Crawford was very right in what she said of you the other day, that you seemed almost as fearful of notice and praise as other women were of neglect. Right? Mm -hmm. She has great discernment for your character, right? She Mm -hmm. certainly understands you better than you are understood by the greater part of those who have known you for so long. So, she likes her. She likes her. She wants to get to know her. That's all. She's curious about her. Which... I know before we, like, we talked a little bit how, well, maybe Mary just wants to be friends with Fanny because she knows Edmund is very fond of Fanny. But then in, like, the last section, I started to kind of rethink that a little bit personally. Because, again, I haven't seen the film, which apparently makes her super creepy. Or not creepy. Super... She's like a little sketch, I feel like, throughout. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like after the play thing, it kind of feels more like maybe she does want to be around Fanny because of Fanny. Yeah, it's and, genuine. Uh, it is genuine, and I you really start to feel that a little bit here too because again, like Mary, who is also she no longer has Henry to like hang out with. She doesn't have the Bertram sisters to hang out with. She's th- just there with her sister and Doctor Grant. She hates so, Doctor Grant, <laughs> mm-hmm. and it's been really rainy, and she's trapped and- in the country. <laughs> Yeah, she's trapped in the country. She ain't got nothing. And then Fanny comes over and she has a good time with Fanny. And so she's like, Fanny, please come save me. Every time you walk by, knock on the door and I will totally come hang out with you. And Fanny, who at first is like, "Mm, I don't know, she doesn't really know how she feels about Mary because obviously Mary has done some things that go very much against Fanny's morals. Yeah. Like going off into the shrubbery and whatnot. 
But then Fanny starts to kind of feel guilty a little bit or she feels obligated. And then it just kind of becomes a habit to where when she does go out, she stops by and sees Mary. I feel like, you know, she judges Mary Crawford and like we've we've seen how her and Edmund kind of judge her for like certain things. But then like Edmund attributes it to like where she grew up or like being Mm -hmm. in the city or like this and that. Whereas like Fanny's just like, well, that's. doesn't mean anything like if she's you know still saying these things it doesn't matter where she grew up people shouldn't say things like that no matter what so like I feel like at this point Fanny feels a little bit like guilty for thinking those things kind of like how she felt guilty about like being afraid of Sir Thomas's return Mm -hmm. she's like starting to feel a little guilty about like what she thinks of Mary Crawford and so like even though she has these thoughts and opinions instead of voicing them she keeps them to herself because then she hears how Mary Crawford, like, speaks about her, and then she sees, like, Mary Crawford's actions toward her, like, especially at the end of this section. And I feel like a little... Fanny's, like, trying. She's, like, trying to blossom a friendship, especially after that first meeting in the rain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they get to go to a shrubbery together. Fanny and Mary Crawford go into the shrubbery. They sauntered about together many a half an hour in Miss Grant's shrubbery. Oh my goodness, that is scandalous. I underlined it. (laughs) (laughs) That's why I was flipping through these pages. I'm like, there's something about shrubbery in here, I remember. Uh, But yeah, they get to go hang out in uh, the shrubbery of the parsonage. And they talk about shrubbery. And uh, how... Well, Fanny talks about shrubbery. (laughs) Fanny talks about shrubbery and how she's so happy that the evergreens are here. And she remembers when this was simply a hedge line. And Mary's like, it's a garden. Yeah. (laughs) Fanny's like really into it. And Mary's just like, this is not what I'm into at all. It's like when you have a friend who's like really into something and like they just Mm -hmm. are nerding Mm -hmm. out over Mm -hmm. it. And you're Mm -hmm. just like. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I know what that looks. I know what that looks like on your face. I Whatever. I know what that (laughs) looks like on other people's faces. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Sorry, guys. I nerd out a lot about stuff that she has too. zero care about. Yeah, I tend to care about things you like. I know, but <laughs> I nerd out about things that other people don't care about. <laughs> Want to have a conversation about Star Wars and I can just see it go blank across your face? But I'll talk to you about or Critical Lord of the Role. Rings all day. <laughs> or Critical Role? Like, oh, what? Hey, I, I watched the first episode of... Um, Vox Machina. So <gasps> I, I haven't like, you know, but like I finally had time to do that. So we will be talking about that soon. Sorry. Okay, good. Side note. <laughs> no, that's good. I'm happy. I finished it. And I can't wait for season two. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. Um, But yeah, so they are friends and Fanny's like shrubbery. No, she's like garden nature. She yes, really nature. likes nature. And then she starts talking about memory and how great it is and stuff. And it's very... And it's very philosophical or whatever. And then Mary's just like, cool, Edmund's coming. Yes. Uh- <laughs> no, but it's just like, this is the first time I feel like we really get to know the real Fanny. Because mm-hmm. she's like, this is what I do. Is like, I'm often so often on my own that I just sit and wonder. And, you know, I have somebody to tell my wonderings to. Um, There's actually a note in here about... That whole thing about memory. Oh, um, so the annotation says something like, 
this whole thing about like Fanny's enthusiasm for nature and this whole talk about like memory and stuff like that is probably more of a nod to some of the things Austin was reading at the time as opposed to what Fanny may have actually been reading at the time. Hmm. So yeah, I thought that that was interesting because we know Fanny does read a lot Mm -hmm. and she's getting these new ideas and things. So this like all of a sudden Fanny goes into almost like hyper fixation mode where it's just like, this is something I've hyper fixated on and I'm going to talk about it could actually have almost been Austin being hyper fixated on something and wanting to talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, cool. Okay. But yeah, so we do finally see these parts of Fanny that are like, okay, so yeah, she thinks a lot. She reads a lot. She thinks on what she reads a lot. So she's she's like smart. She's smart. She's smart. She's smart. There's a difference. She is. But I feel like she's not educated. She's no, hang on. Okay. Okay. Well, let's talk about D&D. There's a difference (laughs) between intellect and wisdom. That's true. Intellect is somebody who would be like educated and really, really smart in that way. And then wisdom is just kind of like, you know, oh, you've done all of this stuff on your own. You know, you like, you know, there's a better definition. You make, but I feel like make your own connections. essentially. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like Fanny is more of the wisdom stat than the intellectual stat. I agree. Yes. And then Mary Crawford, who is probably educated. I don't think her wisdom stat is very high. Her charisma and her intelligence are probably a little higher. Definitely on her charisma side. For sure. Um, I feel like Mary Crawford is very street smarts. Yeah. Street smarts. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Street smarts combined with a good education. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Whereas... Fanny has no formal education. Well, she does, but it's not a very good formal education. Has built up all of this other knowledge that she has from reading books and stuff. So, yeah, she leans more toward the wisdom stat than the intellectual stat. But she's not dumb. I'm not saying she's dumb. she's not. She's she's able to, like, think critically about things. Mm -hmm. You know, she has, like, those good, um, what are those called? Like critical thinking skills yeah but there's like a type of intelligence that that is but that doesn't matter that's neither here nor there oh look edmund's coming yeah let's talk about this mrs grant come walking down through the shrubbery which i mean come on edmund you're walking through the shrubbery with mrs grant she's a married woman walks through the shrubbery with anybody edmund you just just a hoe anyway so they start chatting and by they i mean uh mary crawford and edmund about like money you know one of those things you talk about in mixed company (laughs) (laughs) yes this is totally normal (laughs) yeah and mary once again is just like you know you could have done you could have chosen something else as your profession you're still not officially a clergyman yet you could have been a member of parliament with the way you just like described whatever it is i don't know i zoned out during this conversation yeah, I, I kind of have been zoning out of the conversations where Mary is trying to convince Edmund to be somebody he isn't so she can feel better about wanting to marry him. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but eventually this all leads to uh, Edmund and Fanny being invited to dinner the next day by Dr. Grant. And Fanny is just like, wait, what? I'm getting an invitation? And it's like, yeah, bitch, you've been there like every day. He knows who you are. He's going to invite you over. Yeah. <laughs> so she's... That's another place she needs to grow is that, oh, people actually want to talk to me and see me and be around. What? This is weird. (laughs) 
yeah. That's where it ends. That's where it ends. And we'll start the next section probably with that dinner, I think, if I remember right. I don't know. I'm just, uh, I just flipped over to the next page. And the first line is, but why would Mrs. Grant ask Fanny? Ask Lady Bertram. <laughs> so that's where we get to start. Great. <laughs> but yeah, so that's this section. And yeah, we'll get to see what happens next. It's going to be, I, I think it's going to be interesting now that Henry Crawford is out of the picture and Mariah is married, though I'm pretty sure that uh, both of them are going to come back at some point. Stop! I can't look at you when you're... I'm, I'm putting my, my head eyes. down. I'm not looking at you. <laughs> I put my I knew this was going to happen. This is what happens when I have no idea what's going to happen. And I know you've watched all the films slash read the books. But uh, so, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I want to say we are a little less than halfway through the book. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I'm not going to lie. I was actually expecting more out of that play. I was expecting them to actually put on the play. So I was kind of disappointed in the fact that something more scandalous didn't happen. Because I thought there was going to be scandal at the wazoo. Like, like, like when they were putting on the play, Sir Thomas walks in, like while they're doing it. I was expecting that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So I was slightly disappointed. So I want, I want even more scandal going forward. We got to <laughs> You know, we have to lure Miss, or sorry, we have to lure Sir Thomas into a false sense of security so that he doesn't come down too hard on the children yet. Mmm. I see. He is a man blinded by pride, probably, and too indulgent with his children. I can agree with that. Yeah. Well, we will see where this goes. Going forward, our next chapters are 23 to... 26. 23 to 26. But yeah, so that's it for today. Make sure to check out our merch at whitbeyondmeasure.threadless.com and we will see you next time. Bye! Bye. Beyond Measure is hosted by me, Katrina Mayer, and me, Al Kammerer. We're part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media/podcasts. Our music was composed by Shane Ivers, and our artwork was created by the beautiful and talented Katie Keneally. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts, or you can find us on our website at withbeyondmeasure.com. Or follow us on Instagram for all of our updates, memes, and just fun stuff. Our handle is at WBM Podcast. I'm going to say that again. It's WBM Podcast.